Hello and welcome back to The Mentors. This is your host, Vadim, and this is a show where we tell stories of ordinary people that became extraordinary entrepreneurs, leaders, and creators despite a lack of experience, money, or connections. And today on the show, we actually have Daryl Silverback, who is the founder of Thinkful, which is a company that he started a coding bootcamp company that he started about eight years ago. It was since acquired by Check for $100 million. And we had a episode with Daryl a little while back called How Daryl Silver of Thinkful Taught Himself How to Build Companies. And it's a two-part episode, super exciting. If you want to check out the story of Thinkful and how Daryl built that company, you should go back and listen to that. But today, we're actually going to be talking about Free Code Camp which you probably have heard of as it's one of the biggest free coding resources on the internet. They deliver 1.1 billion minutes of instruction. Now they've had 40,000 people that have gone through the program. They have um, 1.5 million hours of tutorials on YouTube uh, that are consumed. The scale that this nonprofit has been able to reach in its six years of existence is pretty incredible and it was founded by Quincy Larson and Daryl now who obviously was aware of Quincy and freecodecamp.org since Thinkful started because they started at about the same time is now one of their major donors so they're moving away from a different fundraising process they've been able to create this really massive organization and when I say massive I mean impact wise uh, because they're a really lean team they've been able to do it through small five dollar donations and now they're doing something incredible to continue to increase their impact. But we have Daryl Silver back on the show today to talk to us about Free Code Camp and his involvement with them and what they're doing next. Daryl, welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me. It's always a great opportunity to shill for a nonprofit. It's like a fantastic way to spend time. Yeah, you know what? We've had some nonprofit uh, stories on the show. I've worked in nonprofits. I will say a lot of them are mismanaged. I think just because of just the way that the incentives are around what a nonprofit actually means. But when I read about Free Code Camp, uh, part of the reason why I wanted to highlight this story is because they do things completely differently. And the the more I dug into Quincy's story, the more I was really impressed about how he makes these decisions uh, and how they were able to scale these operations. So, you know, I want to hear from you and what you know about Quincy now that you guys have been, I guess, aware of each other for such a long time. And now you're working closer together on this impact how is this nonprofit different, would you say? I mean, you've been observing them, I think, for the last six years. What do they do differently? How are they that much more effective than most other nonprofits out there? Oh, that's a great question. So uh, in your perception of how a lot of talent at nonprofits is not as good as in the for-profit sector is one of the things that got me really, really interested in working with more nonprofits. Because basically, uh, and I, you know, I love you, Vadim, but that is a really crazy prejudice that I'm excited to fix in the coming years. And the starting with Free Code Camp is kind of the ideal way to do it. So Free Code Camp, I, I, I call them a unicorn. They're um, 1.3 billion minutes of learning in 2020, 100% free, growing 60% every single year. And it's actually greater than 60% growth every year for, for the last six years, except on average, except Quincy doesn't want to put in the first year's data because it's like 400% and it's a lower baseline. So he's so conservative, but 1.3 billion minutes of learning, uh, 60% growth year over year, which he thinks can continue. Quincy's role model is Wikipedia, which grew similar scale and kind of took over the internet. Um, and that the staff for Free Code Camp, the full-time staff is 12 people, which if you remember, if you're sort of deep in startup land, 
that's a smaller full-time team than Instagram had when it was bought by Facebook for a billion dollars. So I think of Free Code Camp as an absolute unicorn. The, the most impressive part of it perhaps is it's fully funded by people who donate recurring $5 a month. So started off obviously at zero when Quincy was um, meeting people in learning how to code himself and has grown to 7,000 people who every month donate $5, uh, which has a number of benefits we can get into. But um, but fundamentally, it's a true unicorn in nonprofits with extraordinary talent. Quincy is one of these people you want to be around when you're trying to innovate. And uh, there was a, this is a really special opportunity to work with him and for me to learn more about the nonprofit world. Interesting. Well, I love being proven wrong. And part of the reason why, <laughs> uh, let me let me correct what I said earlier. There are obviously nonprofits that are doing incredible things. There are obviously nonprofits that are run, I think, well. But it seems to be that Quincy figured out a pretty unique model. And we're definitely going to have him on the show because I want to talk about his origin story and dig really deep into that. He has a pretty incredible story. He basically is a high school dropoff, from what I understand. He lived out of his car. He was a reporter in China and then basically became a school director in his mid-20s and essentially learned education from the ground up himself and probably saw all the problems within it. Not unlike our story, right? Sergey and I are in higher education. And part of the reason why we started School 16 is because we see how many issues there are there uh, in higher education. But I want to hear then from you. What do you think fundamentally has contributed to how Quincy has been able to build Free Code Camp into a different type of organization that actually does nonprofits right? Yeah, that's a great question. So number one, he's making something people want. And so there's, a, like we learned with Thinkful, an enormous number of people who are looking to expand their own skill set to get to build their own career or to start a company. And software engineering is the sort of starting point for that. That spurred all the boot camps. And there's a lot of folks that offer education online. The big question is, can people find you? And are you credible? And if people can find you, then they'll give you a chance. And if you're credible, they'll stick with you. And so what Free Code Camp has done in the last six years is have an extraordinarily good, just native understanding of how distribution works in a fully digital era. So Free Code Camp had the largest Medium following uh, of anybody before they left Medium for their own platform, uh, backed by Ghost, as it turns out in the technology. They have hundreds of thousands of YouTube fo- uh, of Twitter followers on across different accounts. There's That YouTube channel has an enormous number of followers and, and is growing even faster than the website. And so Quincy has leveraged the means of getting people to find you from the, of the innovations of the last decade incredibly well. And that's like gets people to give you a shot. And then Quincy as a human is a person you want to work with. It's a person you want to learn from. He clearly represents the best of what you what you can do if you understand how to code. He built Free Code Camp himself at the beginning, and now he has a great team of another 11 people. But he got people, he delivered a really high quality product. So Free Code Camp is a fully open source platform with fully owned and open source curriculum by this nonprofit. Anybody can join it, anybody can donate. And they've grown an enormous community of people that volunteer to contribute to that, like the best open source projects, like Wikipedia, like Linux. He takes this view that if you can if you can build credibility with people, they will give you after they give you a shot, you will they will stick with you, and that's what he's found. So it's just been an extraordinary story of how to use the modern tools to build an incredible brand and an incredible uh, incredible organization. And you know what he did it like if you think about a lot of companies that bootstrap uh, and that grow organically by being profitable, Quincy's done that, except he's done it as a nonprofit, meaning all the money that goes into Free Code Camp goes back out as learning. He gave me a stat, something like 
Well, there's the stat that I loved was every dollar that you donate to Free Code Camp goes directly to creating more learning. That's different than most nonprofits where every dollar you donate about 20 to 35 cents goes to raising yet more nonprofit money. But it's a completely different game with Free Code Camp. They've managed to find a way through free distribution and incredibly efficient use of funds to, to create something that a lot of um, a lot of uh, bootstrapped or, or venture capital-based organizations haven't been able to do. Let's talk about that for a minute. I think the stat you may have been referring to is that $5 a month of donation, you're paying for ultimately 250 hours of instruction every time you donate. I don't get that. <laughs> can you can you clarify that to me? How is $5 a month paying for 250 hours of instruction? Yeah, so so most of the content that comes into Free Code Camp is not written by the 12 full-time team, but rather facilitated by that team with the right tools and the email distribution lists and titling and SEO things. Most of the content is written by volunteers. And so um, what's going on is Free Code Camp, and you can see this, like, again, unlike private organizations, nonprofits have to be very public with their finances. Just look it up. Free Code Camp has a budget of about half a million dollars a year. That's 7,000 people donating about $5 a month, give or take those numbers, because there's a lot of growth in there. So they don't add up exactly on any given day. But but uh, that supports a staff of that 500,000 supports a staff of 12. And you can do the average salary of that staff, and it's far below market. These people are doing it for passion. Um, and, and so when you give a dollar to Free Code Camp, through the ecosystem of distribution and platform and open source tools and volunteer network and community, that gives every dollar 50 hours worth of learning to people around the world. So yeah, like you said, it's 250 hours for every $5 you donate and people are giving $5 over on a recurring basis, a very small percentage of the users of those, those who have means and who can afford it. Uh, and then most people just benefit for free from all that. Wow, that's pretty incredible. So I think then what we're gonna talk about a little bit later, the, the fundraising that you are helping with and you're donating $150,000 directly towards a $300,000 goal is going to give an injection of capital for them to have even more impact. We're going to talk about that in a couple of minutes. But I'm curious, there's a couple other questions I have. I'm curious, you know, I, I read about uh, Quincy's backstory, and I just want to understand what motivates him. You know, he, he's very open, uh, right? This, you, As you mentioned, this information is public. He basically pays himself, I think, in 2019, he paid himself $60,000, and for several years he didn't take a salary, and part of that is because him and his wife are prolific savers, and also because, you know, he set himself up to be able to do this, to build this organization. But what do you think really motivates him in terms of expanding this now and having more impact? Because obviously the financial reward is not it. So what is it? That's a that's a deeply deep question. So if you, I've been doing a lot of reading on Maslow's hierarchy of needs and what motivates any of us beyond the basic necessities is very much about our own values. What you discover is you start to live your values the more your basic needs like eating and care for your family are covered. What motivates Quincy, I think, and maybe it's just projection because this is kind of what motivates me. It's there to be done. The mission of Free Code Camp, the mission of Thinkful, uh, and they serve each other. They're deeply c- compatible and complementary. The 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 challenge is there to be conquered and there to be, you know, there, there's such an opportunity to make it easier for people to learn a new skill. Some number of years from now, we're going to be plugging things into our brain to download it, like in the Matrix. But but and and I'm sure there's going to be Quincy getting that, having that the leading open source implementation of that tool. But until then. We have curriculum online and through the web and through YouTube uh, and a few other folks. And so what motivates him, it's, it's, it's got to be because it's there to be done. I mean, when you discover, you know this, you know, you know this from school 16, when you discover product market fit, it's 
almost too good to be true. And all you want to find out is how big you can make it, how successful you can make it, how many people you can impact. And, and for a lot of us, how much money we can make. But for Quincy, this is, doesn't have that gene of how much money you can make. He just has the how much impact can I have. He sounds like a cool dude. I will say that. This is great. <laughs> this is great. We discussed him in absentia. And then, and then when you have him on the podcast, it'll just be a spike in readership. Yeah, folks. So yeah, we're definitely going to have... distribute to his network and he knows how to, he knows how to do the distribution part and get people to give you a chance. That's awesome. Uh, no, I could tell. And, and the, the few shows that I've heard him on, he sounds like a super approachable gentleman and, and someone that truly cares about what he's doing, which makes a lot of sense. I could see why he's been able to have so much impact. Okay. Well then I'm curious about this, Daryl. Obviously you started thinkful and this kind of piggybacks off of what you just said, which is the different motivations that we have, you started Thinkful as a for-profit business and it was a tuition-based program and obviously it changed, expanded over time, but you were looking at it through a very specific lens. Before we start, we hit record on this episode, you said that while you were aware of Free Code Camp, you always saw them as very complementary to what you were doing with Thinkful. Can you talk about that a little bit? You know, what's how are you comparing like a, a paid school, for example? Because a lot of people are going to be thinking, well, do I need to go to school? Do I need live classes? Do I need uh, a professor to tell me what to do? Do I need to be there for a year plus? Or can I just take on and leverage a free resource? And, and what are the differences there? How do you see the that freecodecam.org is complementary to some of the other options that are in the market for education? Yeah, I mean, so so Free Code Camp inspires, Code Academy inspires, uh, lots of free learning resources uh, inspire people to give coding a chance for them. And one of the things we often found with Thinkful was people would almost try on the persona of being a software engineer before they would commit. So Free Code Camp, Code Academy, folks like that inspire interest in the domain, in the topic. And then a school like Thinkful uh, brings you from, all right, I'm ready to do this to job. And that, that responsibility takes a lot of support and takes a lot of human interaction. and takes a lot, uh, a lot of investment, but the complementary nature of it is free code camp inspires. Thinkful gets you, thinkful accelerates your path from learning to earning, gets you, gets you that job. Now I don't speak on behalf of thinkful anymore, but, but that's what always had been the compliment between between those services just like going to a meetup you know in days when we could go to meetups in person meetups are a great way to inspire you to about the career you're curious about and then you pull the thread you pull the thread and some number of people decide it's for them and then they need to go through an intensive training and thinkful is the perfect choice for that got it well then one part of that that i'll challenge or i'd like some clarification on cool no no challenge (laughs) challenge is that sequence of awareness building or that process of education where i guess you 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 get inspired to learn something and you dive deep with a more formal education program. Is that necessary in order to get to the final outcome, which is getting a job? And the reason why I ask that is because as I was learning more and more about free code camp, I understand one of the things that motivated Quincy pretty much right off the bat was when he heard about stories of people getting jobs and being able to have a whole livelihood just from the resources they were able to consume by leveraging the curriculum. I think I have an answer to that question, but I want to hear your perspective. Is it is that sequence important for somebody, or can somebody just consume free resources and then get to that same final outcome, which clearly Quincy has proven some people can do? Yeah, no, so absolutely, you can get to the job you love without uh, any support at all. You could do it just from the resources that are available for free online, just from a free code camp. Um, that's definitely true, and people definitely do that. 
when Dan and I started Thinkful in 2012, and you know, we, we co-founded this thing together, the, the uh, initial insight was there's no way to learn that the way he and I had always learned uh, most effectively. And so sure, you can learn from a textbook, but what Dan and I knew was that when we learned best, it was because we were asking questions that we can, that might be considered stupid in some situations, but weren't in those environments. We were being treated as interns. We were, we were in apprenticeships. We, were, had, we had mentors. We were surrounded by people smarter than us. And so we said, how do we create that online? And in 2012, it was a sort of nutty idea, but, but it became pretty standard. And then in 2020, uh, became the requirement. But fundamentally, yes, people absolutely can get from not knowing anything about a, a, a domain like software engineering to get to self-taught to a getting a job at it as there is contract or freelance or full-time, either US or Europe or anywhere else. And a lot more people need a lot more support. And what you find educationally, sort of that's the, that's a sort of business side of it, frankly. What you find educationally is that the 10 hours of looking at something on your own when you're at your computer struggling with something and trying to figure out a concept is a long time. So if you're an adult, 30 years old, trying to get a, trying to start a new career by learning a new skill, and you have to spend 10 hours being stuck on something, your amount of learning efficiency, your learning efficiency goes, goes way down. Now, some people persevere through that. A lot more people give up. So one of the things that you can do in these environments is make it not 10 hours, but maybe one hour. And now you've provided a, a 10x efficiency on learning uh, you still struggle and struggle is an important part of learning, but it's a 10x efficiency from 10 hours to one hour. Now, instead of giving up after hour eight, you persevere and you move on to the next thing. Uh, and that just accelerates your ability to learn the skill. Yeah, that's the that's the answer that I was going to give to just by being in education for a little while now. Different people need different levels of support. That's why I think there has a much to be. Nicer way. That's a much cleaner way to say it. Different people need different levels of support at different times. And you don't know until you try and once you try, you figure it out. Exactly. We, we all learn differently. And that's why one size fits all solution doesn't work. It's also why I truly believe the individualized component has to be there. I think one of the ways that Free Code Camp solves for that is they have all of these volunteers and obviously a massive community that is ready to support the people that are going through this experience. But sometimes you need to go the extra mile. And so there's other uh, forms of consuming that information and learning that might work for you. That, that makes a lot of sense to me. So then I want to talk about this new uh, fundraising strategy for Free Code Camp, why you are helping them raise $300,000 and what you're going to do with that money. Uh, and part of the reason why we're talking about that today is obviously Daryl intimately understands what it means to get to product market fit or semblance of product market fit and why sometimes capital is required to get to the next stage faster. Yes, you can bootstrap a business. Yes, you can grow a business slowly and responsibly with small donations like Free Code Camp has done to have a lot of impact. But fundamentally, if you want to test new things, if you want to experiment, if you want to scale, capital sometimes is required. So talk about this new fundraise and what you uh, all plan to do with it and why you think it's so critical to the mission of Free Code Camp. Yeah, I Coding is just the beginning for free code camp in, in Quincy's vision. So, and, and in my absolute agreement as well, what Quincy is assertive about, he's extremely opinionated on this is uh, he wants to overcome one of the core challenges of nonprofits, which is another thing that I've come across as research. Nonprofits tend to have an extraordinarily short runway. So 
runway, if you're not familiar, is the amount of typically measured in months in a startup, the amount of months of cash that you have given your current expenses. Um, and so a nonprofit can be as little as three months runway. Now, if you ever run a company, three months is a really short amount of time. Uh, and it can, obviously it can be a lot less than that as well. And what that does is it makes everyone who works there just a little bit terrified that their uh, salary won't, will stop getting paid, not because of anything that they did, but because of whatever weird way that the, a nonprofit is funded disappeared one afternoon and they only had three months to find another source. And that's really very difficult. And so the nonprofit uh, shrinks. Now, Quincy has said, we cannot put ourselves in the position of me having to terminate people on the team. I have a team of 12. It's extraordinarily efficient. I want retention to be very high. I want people to really enjoy and be secure and working here and build the right products. And so I'm only, he says, he's only going to hire people when he knows that the donations recurring small dollar donations that are not subject to crazy swings in mood of one donor, uh, when those donations are reliable enough to fund an entire new hire. And so it's kept the team very small on, as one. And it's also kept the team very, uh, very loyal, I would imagine. It has to be because you know that your, your ability to, to, to plan ahead and then deliver on those plans is really much higher than any other nonprofit and frankly, a lot of for-profit business. The downside of that strategy, and there's mostly upside, don't get me wrong, 7,000 people giving you $5 a month is an enormous amount of protection and growing from any, any surprise in funding. The one downside is if you want to do a big new thing, you either have to take a lot of risk on your current cash flow to fund that big new thing, or you have to find a big dollar donor. And so in December, I reached out to Quincy and I said, hey, he, he posted like, hey, now's a great time to donate $5 a month if you can afford it. He just tweeted it. So I reached out to him and I said, hey, you know, have you ever thought about what you would do if you had a lot more cash? And what would you do that would be a lot bigger? And he said math and he said, he said machine learning. And he says he wants to take 3,000 hours of curricula that they've got at Free Code Camp and expand it to nearly double and expand it into entirely new domains. Now that takes a big, that's a step function change in how you invest. And in order to do that, he had to take a little more risk, which is why he hadn't, he had this idea on the shelf for years because he wasn't willing to take that risk or he has to find a, a larger dollar donor. And so he and I have known each other for years. It's a fantastic opportunity to find a one-time boost for, for Free Code Camp's finances, a one-time investment. We wanted to keep the tone and the style of donor and the, the, the sort of like attitude of the donor and the culture of donation for free code camp very much the same. So we did this matching dynamic, which, you know, if you like listen to NPR, it's the same matching thing. Um, and so we've combined my, uh, like my, my single donation that'll match any smaller donation or any donation really to fund fully the next big step change that free code camp is going to deliver in the coming year or two. And how long would you say, how much runway will this $300,000 buy Free Code Camp? Oh, uh, well, so the magic of, of a profitable business is that runway question is it gets, gets, a, gets a nice infinity. So with the donations coming in, Quincy has already been able to hire, you know, I forget if it's one or two additional people in the community that have been trying to do this work with him. Um, so he's already starting down that path. And it's not, on a, it's, it's not how much runway does he have. It's, it's, now it's funded. Now he can guarantee that that money to pay those people will be there and he can grow this organization, number one, organically, number two, hyper-efficiently, and number three, with a lot of certainty about its financial future. So he's not running down cash every, every month. He doesn't think in terms of runway anymore. He thinks in terms of uh, what's well, not really right to call it profit from a nonprofit, you could call it, but, but fundamentally he runs it at, at, uh, without going over his means. So 
You recently wrote a post on Medium about why you're making the donation. If you folks want to check it out, go to Daryl, that's double R, double L, silver, like silver or gold, dot medium.com. And uh, you talked about one interesting aspect there, and this is what I want to close on, which is actually part of the reason why I think some nonprofits end up kind of going the other way, right? Not having as much impact as they promise or as much impact as they set out to have. You wrote in your article that large dollar donors make nonprofit budgets unpredictable. The other thing that I've noticed working with nonprofits is that large dollar donors sometimes tend to control the outcomes that the nonprofit has, which can be competing and can, I think, limit its potential. Now, I think there's a no-brainer why you, you and Quincy are working together. You have a trusting relationship. You've known each other for a long time. But how can nonprofits that are raising money from these large dollar donors make sure that they're still executing on the vision and the strategy that they have and not just the people that are giving them the money? Oh, that's, a, that's a great question. So, so the complicated question too. I think most donors, in my experience, they're, they're, they, they think about donating time and they think about donating money. And when you donate time, you should expect to have an impact on the direction of the organization that you're putting time into, whether it's you know, reviewing financials or whether it's uh, giving expertise on some, some operating metric or something, whether it's raising more money. Um, but if you're donating money, then, and this is what I see most of the time, really, uh, frankly, I've never seen it go the other way, but when you're donating money, you should expect, you should be doing it because you like the direction they're going and you think they're a responsible steward of uh, the mission that you share with them. So the one exception to that, and I'm on the board of a nonprofit now, it's a different one that that is actually seeing exactly what you're describing, is government contracts can be very, very different. And government contracts come with an enormous amount of restriction, not because there's bad actors, but because it's a complicated system. So privacy of the people that you serve, if you're in a nonprofit that serves underprivileged immigrant children, like those things, it's just one tiny example of a way that the government can try to control the mission of a, non, of, a, of a nonprofit and government funds a lot of nonprofits through grants. And, you know, generally speaking, thank goodness they're doing that because the government is a steward of my tax dollars and your tax dollars. And so you want them to be donating responsibly and you want them to be making sure that, that, uh, that the organizations that are, that are getting grants or giving, getting money are acting in the best interest of the tax holder, um, a taxpayer. And so there is a lot of uncertainty in government funding of nonprofits. And I laugh because it's, I'm seeing it right now with an organization I'm, I'm working with. And it's, it, it's truly, let's just call it expensive to be against the wire, up against the wire, down, sorry, down to the wire of uh, whether there's gonna be $3 million in additional budget or not. It's remarkable to see uh, nonprofits spend, let's uh, spend a lot of time uh, on that part of their job instead of serving their mission. And it's a requirement and it's part of the system and the system operates in a certain way. And it's, you know, you're asking for money and that's always important to get to make sure it goes only to the right places. So it's not obvious what to change there, but it's certainly the case that that when you have a lot of your budget coming from a single source, you can really end up spending a lot more time serving that source instead of serving your mission. And that's a cost that should that needs to be factored into your total budget and therefore your efficiency. And again, to bring it back to code, free code camp. You know, they just don't have any of that. Like, again, let me just stop talking and leave a little bit of silence. Like, Free Code Camp has none of that. People 
who can, a very small percentage of the people who you, you know, 7,000 out of the one and a half million who visit the site every month give $5. And they don't have, they, they're not, they're, they're hoping that it grows in the way that Quincy wants it to grow. And so they don't have any of those restrictions. They don't have any of those fears of the dollars drying up one afternoon um, uh, of getting weird data requests or influence. Now, so it's an enormously great opportunity to find an organization like that. And that's sort of the opportunity that Free Code Camp presents. Well, it's pretty clear that they have done a, an incredible job of executing towards their mission. 40,000, that's the number of people who have gone through Free Code Camp that are now working at tech companies. That number is probably higher now. I was going to say, I thought that might be the number of people that visited, that learned from Free Code Camp while we were talking in the last 30 minutes. <laughs> probably, <laughs> I think yes. it must actually be higher than that. <laughs> yeah, well, these are the number of people that are actually working in tech companies, so probably a different stat that they're tracking somehow. Yeah, I mean, look it up on Twitter. When you look on Twitter of who's responding to, to, to me and Quincy around this event, every single day you can see people saying, you know, you're the reason that I'm in tech. And, wow. and it's hard to do that alone. And that's why, that's why schools with a lot of support uh, like Thinkful exist and, and um, it's a great institution, but, but it's also people, people learn all these different ways. And so Free Code Camp really serves that mission too. They clearly do. They, it looks like, have an impact in over 2,000 cities around the world where people are even meeting in person, maybe not in the last year or so, but have been meeting in person in study groups to go even deeper on what they're learning in Free Code Camp. So the impact has been pretty incredible, and I'm super excited to share what they're doing next here on The Mentors. Daryl, what's the best way for someone that wants to donate, a donation that you'll match, what's the best way for them to quickly execute on that? Yeah, if you go to freecodecamp.org, uh, slash donate. You can do it right there. There's also a great post detailing exactly what, what the team is building uh, with, a, with a video overview and curriculum outline. It also gives every day an update of the uh, fundraising like, status. You know how, how close to the target are we on a day-to-day basis, which I'm obsessed with. Yeah, freecodecamp.org slash donate. If you're looking to give to a good cause, this is Definitely something that's at the top of my radar now. There's a reason why we decided to feature Free Code Camp on The Mentors. And while we'll definitely have a follow-up interview with Quincy Larson, not only is it an incredible story, but it's clearly an incredible resource that I'm confident will continue to impact even more people all across the globe. Daryl Silver, thank you so much for coming back on the show and sharing what you're doing with Free Code Camp. And we're looking forward to following their progress uh, in the coming years to come. Me too. Thanks for having me.